I'm really appreciating hearing the frogs right now. Watching this clouds, the sunset earlier. Just appreciating this land, the space that we're in together. It's really such a, a gift to be here together. A rare, a rare gift, a rare opportunity. And it's been so wonderful meeting with you, hearing about your practice. Such an appreciation for your practice. Everyone is so engaged. It's really a privilege to sit in this seat and witness this unfolding. So thank you for your practice. I'm going to continue with reflections on the Satipatthana Sutta tonight. We've been exploring mindfulness of the body quite a lot, but also touching on some of the fourth foundation, the hindrances, the Four Noble Truths, and using those as practices, as experiences to notice. Today, We'll reflect on the second foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of feeling tone, Vedna. This is the simple aspect of experience of whether there is pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral experience arising with whatever is happening. As a second foundation of mindfulness, in some ways it feels a little like a bridge from the body to the mind. The first foundation of mindfulness is clearly mindfulness of body. The third foundation is mindfulness of mind states. And feeling actually lies somewhere, or seems to perhaps lie somewhere in the middle in that It's accessible through bodily experience. Every physical experience, sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, all of our bodily experience is associated with a feeling tone. Contact of touch may be pleasant, unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Contact with the ear, the same. And so through our bodies, we can begin touching into this aspect of experience, this pleasant, unpleasant, neutral aspect of experience. But this, ex- this aspect of experience is also associated with every mental experience that arises every thought, every mood, emotion, mind state, also has a feeling tone. So this feeling tone is understood to be a universal aspect of experience. Every single moment of our experience, this feeling tone is present in one of these three flavors. And my understanding of Vedana is that it is actually, it's defined as a mental experience, even when it's associated with physical sensation. Vedana is, we could say, mind-made. 
And I'll get to that a little bit more in just a minute. And so this, I wanted to just say that because it's a, it's a nice bridge in a way to help, it, help us begin to be curious about a, um, a mental quality, a mental factor in our mind, a mental process in our mind. This process of whether experience is being felt as pleasant, unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant. But the sutta instructions about this it's, uh, it's, it's, I think it's one of the shortest, it's the shortest section in the Satipatthana Sutta. Mindfulness of mind states is just a little bit longer. This is a, it's just a very brief section and I'll read to you the first part of it. But first remind you of that, that definition section that, that we explored right at the beginning of the retreat with respect to this foundation. One abides observing feelings as feelings, ardent, fully alert, fully aware and mindful, setting aside desires and discontent for the world. And how, do, how does one do that? That is the question the Buddha begins this section of the Satipatthana with. And how does one abide observing feelings as feelings? Here, when feeling a pleasant feeling, one understands. I feel a pleasant feeling. When feeling an unpleasant feeling, one understands. I feel an unpleasant feeling. When feeling a neither pleasant nor unpleasant feeling, one understands. I feel a neither pleasant nor unpleasant feeling. It goes on to elaborate a little bit more, and if I have time, I'll uh, I'll go into that elaboration. Let's just start with that. It's a really simple instruction. Not a lot of extra to it. When feeling a pleasant feeling, we understand, I'm feeling a pleasant feeling. This is that pointing back to um, understanding experience as experience. Pleasant experience is arising in this moment. Unpleasant experience is arising in this moment. And it's understood as experience rather than as a problem, something to fix or change or hold on to. So the, uh, the sutta describes for this mindfulness of feeling a very simple non-judgmental awareness. When feeling a pleasant feeling, one understands I feel a pleasant feeling. When feeling an unpleasant feeling, one understands, I feel an unpleasant experience, an unpleasant feeling. It doesn't say, and try to fix it. <laughs> it just says, one understands that. So it's a really simple, non-judgmental awareness of this experience. And yet, as many of these very simple instructions, and you know, I think in the Satipatthana Sutta, as a whole, the Satipatthana Sutta is encouraging us to explore the entirety of our experience through what I'd say are a few simple perspectives. And this is one of those perspectives we can explore our experience through. Every single moment of experience, this is arising. And so any moment we can be aware of this aspect of experience in this simple way, really simple way. And yet this, the feeling tone itself is a, um, an aspect of experience that until we come to retreats and hear Dharma talks about it, we are very unlikely 
to be interested in experiencing it as an experience in this way. Really unlikely to be recognizing, oh, this is an unpleasant experience. That's what it's like to feel an unpleasant experience. Most of the time we are going to be trying to fix it or change it or um, escape from it in some way, find something else to, to, to be with, flee from it into fantasy or whatever. And so we are not trained so much in becoming aware, in, in knowing this quality of mind. It's, it's actually a pretty subtle, it can be a subtle quality, although once we become attuned to it, it's mostly subtle because we haven't, we haven't really thought to pay attention to it. But once we think, or it's pointed out to us, this is a really useful aspect of experience to pay attention to, it actually is pretty easy to recognize, at least in certain areas of our experience. And so part of this, um, this exploration this evening is, is to kind of attune you to the quality, to attune you to this experience. So feeling arises as a result of contact with the world, contact with the sense bases, contacting with their sense objects. For our physical senses, that is the five physical senses, they're the physical sense objects of the world that contact. The eye receives sight and there's contact with the eye. The ear receives sound and there's contact. Vante uh, read a little section of a sutta this morning that, or referred to a section of a sutta this morning that, that speaks to this. Based on the eye and sight, along with eye consciousness, the, th- the meeting of the three is contact. With the eye and sight, eye consciousness arises. The meeting of the three is contact. The next bit that he pointed to is with contact as conditioned feeling arises. And so this is with every, every sense experience. And with our minds too. There's the mind door, the aspect of our minds that receives experience. And then there are these mind objects, thoughts and emotions and mind states, moods, beliefs, that we could call mind objects. And these also contact the mind door, and there's a feeling tone at that point of contact. And so the feeling tone is a conditioned arising in dependence on that contact. Often what what happens with this contact and the feeling that arises is that there's a very habitual almost nearly automatic response that is also deeply conditioned. And it's, it's more deeply conditioned than we learn this from our parents. This seems to be, well, it's not hardwired into us as human beings, but it's, it's um, well, I was a computer person, so I'll call it firmware. <laughs> that is the kind of, um, Hardware is the actual, you know, the, the, the links of the, the, the hard components of a computer. In firmware, you actually kind of program that hardware with particular um, things that that hardware can do. So you burn it in. But you can burn something else in there too. It's more like that level that when we experience something as pleasant, we tend to like it and want it. There's, there's a very, it's human. This is a human response. It's not something we learn culturally. It's not something we learn from our families. It is a human response. It's actually more than human. It seems to be um, living being response. When there is something pleasant, living beings tend to go towards that. When there's something unpleasant, living beings tend to move away from it. 
in our human um, experience, that tends to be accompanied with greed for the pleasant, aversion for the unpleasant. And it happens really quick. Even before, before the greed or the aversion, there may be a subtler kind of response that's when there's something pleasant, we like it. It's not quite full-on greed, but there's a preference. When something's unpleasant, we don't like it. That's the, that's the real firmware level, but it's, it's not hard-coded into our system to automatically, if something is pleasant, to like it and want it. It is optional. There is this possibility of knowing pleasant experience as pleasant experience and not having any inkling of leaning towards it. It's possible to experience unpleasant experience as unpleasant experience and just be completely balanced, no tendency to pull away. This is equanimity. This non-reactive mind, a mind that can be balanced no matter what comes. Pleasant, unpleasant, neither pleasant nor unpleasant. But this um, kind of very human response, the Buddha calls this an underlying tendency that this is, it's an underlying tendency for us as human beings to want to move towards pleasant, to want to move towards, move away from unpleasant. To be kind of disconnected from neutral, unaware, ignorant of neutral. And yet the Buddha points to in one particular sutta that many of you have probably heard about this, this, this teaching, um, he, he says that a, per, a person who is awakened, somebody who is completely free, somebody who has that non-reactivity, someone who is free of craving, will still experience pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral feelings. So this is, this is something to recognize, you know. Freedom doesn't mean free from unpleasantness. The Buddha clearly says that in this, in this sutta, that people who are fully awakened will still experience pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. And he says, and the ordinary person, the person who is untrained in this path, also will experience pleasant and unpleasant and neutral experience. So what's the difference between these two? And he says, when an ordinary person is touched by a painful bodily feeling, they worry and grieve. They lament, beat their breast, weeping and distraught. They thus experience two kinds of feelings, a bodily feeling and a mental feeling. It is as if someone were pierced by a dart and following that first piercing is hit by a second dart. So that person will experience feelings caused by two darts. So that tends to be what happens to the ordinary person with an unpleasant experience. They tend to not like it, feel put upon, feel like the world is against them. Why me? So the aversion is another experience that arises in conjunction with that unpleasant experience. 
And he says that, so now you have not only the unpleasant experience, the first unpleasant experience, but you also have the aversion, which is also an unpleasant experience. Have you been noticing that? Yeah. And uh, I like what Bonte said this morning about multiplying because that's what this extra reaction does to the, pa- to the painful experience. It's not just adding one plus one and it's two darts. It's more like a multiplication by many-fold. The mental reaction greatly uh, exacerbates the feeling of the unpleasantness, which then is why we feel an aversion to the aversion. Because we see how unpleasant that is and we want to get rid of the aversion. But that adds another, that's a third arrow. Mm -hmm. And so the, um, this is our habitual our habitual way. This is how the Buddha says an untaught or an ordinary person responds to feeling. With aversion, we tend, with unpleasant, we tend to get averse. With pleasant, we tend to hold on to. That also has pain to it. It's a little more subtle in some ways. Although when we really start to turn towards the experience of that wanting, we feel the suffering of that too. We feel the unpleasantness of that. So the, uh, the sutta continues and says, but for a noble disciple, when touched by a painful feeling, the noble disciple does not worry nor grieve and lament, will not beat their breast and weep, nor become distraught. Only one kind of feeling is experienced, a bodily one, not a mental feeling. It is as if someone were pierced by a dart but was not hit by that second dart. So he points to this as possible for us. He's saying in this, in this teaching that this kind of nearly automatic leaping from feeling to reacting to feeling is optional. It takes training for us to begin to see both, first of all, to recognize the pleasant feeling and see that the, uh, the aversion, the greed, recognize the feeling and see that the aversion, the greed, the reaction to that feeling is, uh, is happening as a relationship to the feeling. So that's, our, that's, that's part of what we explore. But as we start to see that there is unpleasantness and that the unpleasantness and the aversion are different, that the pleasantness and the greed are different, this is, a, this is really useful to start to see. So for instance, if you're experiencing a physical pain in your body, very often you might notice the aversion to that. And if you are kind of curious as to, well, what is the actual thing that the aversion is relating to? What is the unpleasant thing that the aversion is in relationship to? Sometimes we see that we, we get a sense of that multiplying factor of the, of the aversion and how much more unpleasant it makes the entire experience as we see that what we're actually reacting to is a small twinge and it has proliferated into a huge idea of I can't keep sitting here anymore because I'm not going to be able to walk at the end of this 45 minutes sitting and, and I'm going to have to go have surgery on my knee and you know, the mind has just gone out. So that, that um, seeing what the actual unpleasant experience is can be really useful and to begin to notice the difference between the unpleasantness of the, the, the first experience and the unpleasantness of the aversion and notice that they're different. Notice that they're different things. So this practice of mindfulness of feeling begins to help us do that, to begin to recognize the actual experience of pleasant and unpleasant and neutral.
So the first thing that's useful, I think, is to begin to get familiar with feeling tone. To start um, attuning yourself to the quality so that we can begin to have this recognition of these things being different. Before I started meditating, I, I don't think I knew there was a difference between hating pain and pain. They just seemed completely the same thing. And so we can start to explore these, these qualities of experience. And the easiest way, the first place that it's easiest to explore feeling tone is related to bodily experience. So in our, in our sitting postures, in our sitting, in our walking, just being curious about the, whether, thing, whether the experience is pleasant or unpleasant. You might feel pleasantness of um, um, a sensation. You might feel some pleasant sensations associated with breathing. You might feel unpleasant sensations associated with an itch tightness or pain. And so just, be, just being curious about that, and just like right now in your experience, what's the most obvious experience in your physical experience? Whatever's most obvious may have some kind of flavor of pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. And just the most obvious experience in your physical sensation right now, see if you can tune in to Pleasant or unpleasant? How about picking another one? Just kind of the next most obvious one. Is that one pleasant or unpleasant? Or neutral. Maybe neutral. Could be. How about another one? Pleasant, unpleasant? Neutral. So how many of you in those three felt that experience, each of those three was the same kind of feeling tone? A few of you. That that was my experience. And that actually uh, points to another piece that um, some of us tend to have a particular hmm, habitual tendency of orienting towards, um, that sometimes it's, it's talked about as almost being a personality type. That if, um, if you like walk into a room, you know, if you walk into a room you've never been in before, just do this mind experiment for yourself. What is the first kind of thing you're drawn to? You've never been, like when you first came into this room, what was the very first thing that you were drawn to? What did you, what was the first thing you noticed? And for some people that might have been, gee, the front of the room looks pretty messy. For some it might have been, wow, look at this space. So, look at that ceiling, it's so beautiful. For some it might have been, uh, what's going on here? Where do I sit? How do I get a cushion? Kind of like looking around, not, not quite so sure about what to do. We, we tend to have certain flavors of patterns and habits in our mind. Some people are, are kind of more balanced and equally kind of spread between greed, aversion, and delusion. But many of us have a, have a particular flavor that is more predominant. And so for my mind, aversion was definitely the predominant flavor. And um, with that predominant flavor, that the, a kind of a teaching the Buddha offers is a succinct kind of version of conditionality in his teaching, is whatever one frequently ponders, that becomes the inclination of the mind. And so this mind, boy, it was really pondering aversion a lot. And so that became the tendency. And so what my mind tended to do when it walked into a new space was look for something to be averse to. It would 
it would seek out the unpleasant. It's almost like my mind would like orient to the unpleasant and think, okay, if I can fix all the unpleasant things, then I'll be okay. Somebody else, another, another person might um, have more of the, the, the motivation of, of, of wanting, of, of greed. And that person might be drawn to what's beautiful in a room, looking for where the pleasant is. So we, we, te- we do have some tendencies there that's useful to recognize. This, this exercise that I, I just did with you, what my, one of my teachers did with me, for, you know, I did it for a little bit longer than you did, and, um, and he, was, he was just instructing me, just notice the next thing, you know, no, don't choose, just whatever, you know, make it choiceless, just, you know, choose the next thing, the next thing. And after that experience, he says, well, what did you notice? And I said, well, I don't see how that could have been choiceless. I was trying to do it choiceless, but everything was unpleasant. And I know that all, my entirety of my experience is not unpleasant, but that was everything the mind landed on. That was a huge learning for me, to kind of see the orientation of my mind, its habitual tendency to orient to the unpleasant. So that can be a useful kind of reflection, exploration for yourself. Do you have a kind of a tendency towards one of these? kind of a, almost a preference to kind of fuel or fulfill the uh, underlying tendency of greed or aversion or delusion. So exploring in our physical experience this pleasant, unpleasant, neutral experience. Another great places to do this is in between times, just beginning to maybe picking a few times in the day I mean, in mindfulness practice, we're not particularly trying to find experience. And yet, with certain practices, it can be useful to take some time to begin to orient towards a quality or an experience that we haven't had much familiarity with in order that we gain some familiarity. And so it can be useful to spend some time during the day kind of being curious about this particular aspect of experience just to familiarize yourself with what it's like to touch into pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. A great place to do this is an eating, eating practice. Just noticing the flavors, the tastes, as you put, as you put food in your mouth is, is the first sense of it. Neutral, pleasant, unpleasant. Just curiosity about it. How does it change? Doing your yogi jobs. There's probably a great stream of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral going on there. They're just kind of attuning to that. Getting familiar with the experience. And really helpful to start to notice our habitual relationship to the feeling tone. So as you're doing your yogi jobs, for instance, you know, oh, this is unpleasant, this part's unpleasant, and oh, the constriction, the tightening, the aversion, the pushing away, the wrinkling of the nose, about extra food in the pots that you have to scrub, you know, just the, the experience of the unpleasantness and the relationship to it. Beginning to recognize the difference between those. And then also useful to explore, get familiar with the um, feeling tone associated with our mental experience. Every, every experience has a feeling tone associated with it. Thoughts, moods, emotions. So something like sadness might have an unpleasant or uh, heavy, uh, unpleasant quality to it, joy, uh, a pleasant quality to it, grief, unpleasant, fear can be unpleasant, anger, perhaps unpleasant. Although in doing this exploration for myself around anger, I was uh, exploring on one particular retreat, the anger and watching the arising of the anger, 
and um, I got the, the 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 mind got very attuned to the experience of anger. The, this was my anger retreat. You know, I really was watching it every day, many times a day. I would see a thought in my mind and feel the anger in conjunction with that thought. And largely the experience, and I was noticing the quality of feeling tone with it, largely the experience was unpleasant. It was, it was pretty clear that anger was unpleasant. But then one time I got to see the very, just the very beginnings of anger. Just the moment of they done me wrong, I'm right. And that experience at the very beginning, that was pleasant. That was a real shock to me. It almost immediately, it only lasted a split second that it was pleasant, this feeling of, it was like a feeling of power and engagement and, you know, it's like this, this uh, welling up of energy towards, um, um, a kind of a protecting of this being in some way. And there was a pleasant quality to that. It lasted about a split second before it came, became pressure and heat and unpleasant. But the learning there, it was like, kind of like the big aha. It's like, oh, that's part of the hook. That's why my mind is going for this, uh, this anger over and over again. It likes that little split second of that feeling of power. So this can be eye-opening sometimes as we explore how the feeling tone changes. It's not static. It changes from pleasant to unpleasant to neutral to uh, more pleasant to less pleasant. It's very dynamic. So emotions, maybe more obviously in some ways, have um, a feeling tone associated with them. But also um, thoughts, views, beliefs also have a feeling tone and it may be the neutral quality. It may be just the neutral experience of neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Although um, thoughts, views, beliefs, which may have, may just seem like the the thought itself or the belief itself is kind of a neutral thing in the mind, those have a very powerful shaping effect on our experience of feeling. They're one of the key conditioners, key uh, aspects of our experience that kind of shape whether we experience something pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. There was a study done um, about the experience of pleasure and pain. And um, uh, in this study, they, uh, the subjects had uh, exposure to either a not painful experience or a slightly painful, moderately painful experience. And they were told, kind of beforehand, they were given a little flash as to whether they were going to experience one or the other first. And when that moderately painful experience came up, it was experienced as unpleasant. They reported it as unpleasant. And not only that, their brains said it was unpleasant because they were being monitored with, their, with the uh, EEG at the same time. Then the second part of the experiment was to have the two um, sensations being the the moderately painful one or or a much more painful one. And so the alternation was was, um, not between no pain and moderate, but between moderate pain and more severe pain. And again, they were warned what the what the pain, what the sensation was going to be. This time, um, they reported, and their brains recorded the moderate sensation, which they had said was painful before. The second exper- ex- uh, 
aspect of the experiment, they reported that as pleasant. And the um, experimenters were surprised by this result. They thought it would be noted as less painful than the more painful one, but they did not expect it to be reported as pleasant. Their hypothesis was that the uh, warning or the flashing of, this is going to be really painful, this is going to be less painful, you know, the warning that they were, were getting, was creating a kind of an expectation or a moment of relief in the mind of, oh, I can, I, it's not going to be so bad this time. So that view, that expectation, that anticipation, which is a mental experience, shaped their experience of that painful sensation as pleasant. And not only did they report it as pleasant, but so did their brains. Their, their brains responded as if, as if it was pleasant. So this is a very important thing for us to understand. Pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral are created, shaped in our mind by our expectations, by our views, by our thoughts, by our beliefs. The pleasant, unpleasant, neutral is not in the object. It's not inherent in the object. The same experience at different times might be experienced as more pleasant or less pleasant, might be experienced as pleasant sometimes and painful sometimes. So this is a, a, a real um, kind of exploration for us around what is happening in our minds when there is something, you know, when we're experiencing the feeling tone. Sometimes in exploring like around hearing for instance and you know this is an interesting um, teaching from the Abhidhamma it's not a sutta teaching and I, I offer it with a little bit of caution because I don't know that I really I believe this teaching completely but in the Abhidhamma it said that the bare experience in our um, four non-tactile senses, sight, sound, smell, taste, the bare experience there is neutral. And that any sense of it being pleasant or unpleasant, a sight being pleasant, a sound being pleasant, any sense of that is because of an idea in the mind. Now, again, I don't know if this is really true, but I, hearing that has prompted me to, when I'm noticing that I'm taking a sound, a sight, to be pleasant or unpleasant, I get kind of curious. What is the actual physical experience? And what is the mind actually attributing as unpleasant? And so, for instance, you know, you, you're sitting in the, in, the, in the room and you hear a cough or a sneeze and the sound itself, you know, it's, it's a sound. It's not physically painful. It's ear waves hitting the eardrum, particular vibration happening on the eardrum that is understood as a sneeze or a cough. And the mind understanding it as a sneeze or a cough, has some views about that. Quite likely, if you experience the sneeze or cough as unpleasant, it's because of the views rather than the actual experience of hearing itself. This has been a very um, interesting kind of investigation in my own practice a lot of learning, a lot of understanding about how our minds work through exploring this particular uh, aspect of experience, a little bit of investigation.
I would say the vast majority of our um, reactivity when we're reacting to something as with aversion or greed when, when, when our minds are in that um, the vast majority of the time it's not averse or greedy about something actually in the world it's relating or reacting to something in our own minds that was another big aha for me watching the mind be averse to somebody doing walking meditation nearby. I decided to kind of go through the senses and try to figure out where, where, where the unpleasantness was. This was an instruction that Carol Wilson had offered in a talk on, on aversion. She said, if there's aversion happening, there's something unpleasant in your experience. What, what is it? And so I'm doing walking meditation and this person's walking next to me. It's like, okay, it's not sight. The person is not... It's not disturbing my, 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 my eyes. They're not making noise, so it's not sound. They're not touching me. It's not that. I'm not smelling them. I'm not tasting them. Okay, it's got to be something in the mind. I finally, I did get to that. It, it had to be something in the mind. But I didn't see what it was in the mind. I, I didn't understand. I couldn't see what the mind, what was unpleasant. It was really curious. It's like, well, what is unpleasant here? So I just continued to do the walking, kind of curious about what's unpleasant, and then suddenly this thought erupted. They're weird. (laughs) That's a thought. I thought that's... I still didn't quite get it. (laughs) After another exploding thought of they're in bare feet and it's freezing cold outside, I realized that that was kind of my justification for thinking they were weird and that, that, that the whole um, aversion that was related to this, like a subtle, almost a subtle kind of relationship to that feeling of this person being weird that I hadn't even seen consciously. And then to see that that whole thing was based on bare feet, it was just so silly that the mind just let the whole thing go. The aversion disappeared and in the next pass I was just wishing the person well, just feeling that metta for the person. So this is a useful tool also if you're experiencing some kind of ongoing reactivity, kind of a curiosity. You can go through the, the senses. Where's the unpleasantness? Most of the time You'll find, and, and this was the other big aha, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm averse to a thought. That's what the aversion actually is. I'm averse to this idea. I'm averse to something my mind made up. This is completely optional. And that's what helped it to fall apart. So doing this kind of exploration, most of the time, if you, if you look, you'll probably see that it's something constructed in our own minds where the actual leaping off point is, what we're actually reacting to. So just... Briefly, in the last little few minutes we have, I want to explore this last section of the sutta just a little bit, because it points to a, a kind of a further distinction around feeling tone that's useful, particularly on long retreat, for us to begin to at least be aware of, maybe. Again, I, I, I offer this not as something to, to dive into, to do. My teacher, um, Saira Utejaniya, when he gave teachings, he, you know, he would often uh, say, you know, this isn't something to do. This is information. It can kind of go in to the back of your minds. And, and you may, having this information kind of bubbling in there, like Dharma rain, it's, it's just, you know, filtering through your system, that at some point, 
the teachings or the reflection on this might arise in your practice. And perhaps that is the time to begin to explore it. So there is a place and a time for some exploration of this, but mostly I offer this as information and inspiration, hopefully, some inspiration about how helpful this can be to begin to um, see this leaping point the springboard from feeling tone into reactivity. It's a key for understanding how our minds suffer. And when we can see the feeling tone itself and just know it in this simple way, oh, this is a pleasant feeling. Often that simple mindfulness kind of almost short circuits the leap. And so we experience the feeling tone in a different way. So this, this further refinement on feeling uh, brings in um, a distinction between worldly feeling and unworldly feeling. And so it goes through the three feelings. When feeling a worldly pleasant feeling, one understands, I feel a worldly pleasant feeling. Likewise, with worldly unpleasant and neither pleasant nor unpleasant. When feeling an unworldly pleasant feeling, one understands, I feel an unworldly pleasant feeling. And so the the key here is to begin to understand what is meant by worldly and unworldly. There's a couple of different um, ways this is translated. In in various translations, Bhikkhu Bodhi uses worldly and unworldly, but another version he uses is a carnal or bodily, of the body and spiritual, of the flesh, not of the flesh. I believe that's the most literal kind of translation for the the Pali word, samisa, niramisa. Bhikkhu Analyo points out that this kind of feeling is a kind, of a, a kind of a help for us to distinguish feelings that are guiding us on the path and feelings that tend to catch us in suffering. So these spiritual feelings, feelings, these unworldly feelings are feelings connected with the path of practice. This might include, for instance, pleasant feelings associated with generosity, the pleasantness associated with concentration, the the bliss of blamelessness associated with engaging in ethical conduct, the delight and the joy that come when we understand and see something clearly. These are all pleasant feelings associated with the path. Now, just because they are associated with the path doesn't mean that we can't cling to them and make trouble for ourselves. You know, we feel those pleasant experiences and uh, concentration, have a sitting that we call a good sitting, and then we spend the rest of our day trying to get back to it because we think that that's where it's at and like that felt so good I want that back as Steve Armstrong says there's nothing like a good sit to ruin your day <laughs> because we cling to the feelings we cling to it so, so these worldly and unworldly feelings the worldly feelings tend to be those associated with the sense experiences so, you know, um, our, um, uh, the feeling tones associated with sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, and you know, like the food that we eat, and, and then in our mind, the thoughts about the things that we see, smell, hear, taste, and touch, and eat, and consume. So those are the, the kind of the, the places where uh, the worldly feeling lands. And there's a lot of habitual kind of clinging around that. And partly because we like the feeling of pleasant, we do also tend to cling to these unworldly pleasant feelings. But they do point us 
in a direction. As we begin to understand or, or recognize the difference between this unworldly feeling and the worldly feeling, it helps us to, to kind of understand we're on the path. Unfortunately, you know, even clinging to these things, which we will, I don't know of anyone that I've ever spoken to about their meditation practice who has not done this. But fortunately, it's self-correcting because we feel the suffering of it, that we get the dukkha. As soon as we try to start going for that state or that experience, we're all tied up in knots again and we feel the suffering of it. So we understand that clinging to these states is not helpful. It's not to say, gee, I shouldn't try to get concentrated because I cling to it. It's more like, oh, if I get concentrated and I cling to it, I get to feel the suffering of that. The mind does begin to wind its way out of that uh, habit of clinging. Over time, it takes time. (laughs) And also what I'd say too is it's an important aspect of this unworldly feeling, in particular around the unworldly pleasant feeling. It helps us to let go of the clinging to the worldly pleasant. Because the pleasure of concentration, the pleasure of equanimity, the pleasure of insight is so superior to any satisfaction we get out of worldly pleasant. So this is, it's it's, it's almost like a stepping stone. It helps us to let go of our more habitual ways of clinging, our habitual ways of, of responding and relating to the world. And then at a certain point we get to notice the clinging to this. So There's a a teaching, by relying on this, abandon that. So by relying on the the unworldly pleasant, we can abandon the worldly pleasant. But we'll cling to this, and then we have to begin relying on something else, equanimity. The recognition of insight and understanding to help us let go of that clinging to the worldly pleasant, to the unworldly pleasant. So these feelings on the path, many of the feelings on the path are pleasant. And it was an understanding of the Buddha the night that said that when he recognized the path, the direction, there was the understanding, why am I afraid of the pleasant states of concentration? Maybe those are on the path. Ah, I think they are on the path. But there are also some unpleasant, unworldly experiences. One of the key ones that the suttas mention is the longing for freedom. Some of you have mentioned this in your meetings. Expressing it as a kind of desire and often there is a greed associated with that, you know, when am I going to be free? Or how can I get to, these, to this freedom? <clears throat> but this, this teaching actually points to this longing being a wholesome, on-the-path wish. And we can cling to it. We can get greedy about it. But to recognize that that, it's, it's kind of like they're probably, they're probably tangled up, that longing for freedom with the greed. But we can't throw out the whole thing because that longing for freedom is keeping us on the path.
So it's time to stop. Let's just sit for a moment. Maybe when I ring the bell, you can notice whether there's pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral feeling, and whether it's associated with any idea or view. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.